This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. back everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 130 and this week i am pleased to be joined by two returning guests and voices of wrestling contributors uh first of all from the the guy you've heard shouted out repeatedly on the last two new japan for wrestling shows mr chris samsa hello hello thank you for having me uh welcome back you of course made your first appearance back at the wrestle kingdom uh, post shows, so now you're back on here to talk the next New Japan show. Yes, potentially higher energy today. Uh, it yeah. is not indeed four in the morning. Um, yep, it's not four in the morning. It's true. It was uh, you had to, you know, had to really stick those out, but we got through them. People seem to like those shows, so I'm glad we did them. Oh yeah, that was a great time. Uh, but yeah, welcome back. And also returning, it's Mr. Thomas Fishback, who was I think on here. What a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, for the uh, for the awards. Yeah, right, right for yeah. the awards. So, welcome back. Yeah, good to be back, John. Uh, unfortunately, despite me pushing Basara on like every single appearance on the show last year, I still have failed um, due to time constraints. We're not going to get to Basara today. I'm sorry to everyone that I've failed. Uh, I'd like to express, you know, my deepest condolences and all that. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fucking Super Bowl, which yeah, I, which I will say for the record, I couldn't give less of a shit about. Yeah, but uh, that's on me. You, yeah. you guys, <laughs> you guys want to watch it, so I, I get it. Because I originally like was asking around uh, in the voice wrestling Slack, like for guests for this for today, not even realizing it's Super Bowl Sunday, <laughs> and realized wondering like, oh, why doesn't nobody anyone want to talk these shows? And then you guys volunteer, and then I'm like, wait a second, it's Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. So I neither of us realized it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh. It's not. It's. I, I will say it's not appointment viewing for me. I don't think. I can't remember the last time I actually watched it. So no. it is what it is. It's not like I'm anti all sports, but uh, right. I just never been into the football. I'm more in it for the, uh, for like the atmosphere at this point, not really the game itself. Yeah, it's more about the spectacle for me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we're here to talk two New Japan shows, the new beginning in Sapporo, nights one and two. Uh, night two, of course, just that took place Saturday and Sunday this weekend, and you know, recording on Sunday. Uh, we're also going to talk, we're going to touch on the Noah Corkin, if we have time, and then also, you know, probably talk a little bit about the 
interesting business moves going on in Japan with Noah being purchased and, uh, you know, the Dragon Gate hookup at MLW and a lot of a lot of stuff is going on. So we're going to talk about all that. But let's get started with the first new beginning in Sapporo show, uh, which was yesterday, February 1st, from the Hokkaido Prefectural Sports Center, the Hokkaido Kitayel. Um, first of all, in the attendance, this show did... 4,569, which is very slightly down from last year, which did 4,868. That didn't really surprise me because, first of all, this was behind night two. Every time I checked the ticket sites leading in, but, uh, you know, it also, neither one looked like, night two didn't look like it was on track to sell out like it did last year. So I figured night one would also be a little behind last year, but not that bad, you know, like down about almost exactly 300. Uh, Last year was 4,868. Last year, that main event was uh, Jay White and Bad Luck Folly against Okada and Tanahashi, which doesn't really jump out at you as like a big main event. But um, that Okada Tanahashi like first teaming, you know, first team up around the loop kind of did big numbers everywhere. Like it did. If you look at the World Tag League uh, in 2018, where they were teaming up on the undercards, you know, those all did bigger numbers than uh, than 2019. So. You know that that's that's kind of not that surprising then. And then the year before that, which was uh, Tanahashi and Suzuki for the IC title, which is you know probably a far bigger match than either year for this night one. That did around almost the exact same number as the 2019 number. So yeah, business wise, I don't think anything too surprising. You could say a little disappointing. They're down even you know a few hundred, but you know nothing that big a deal. Any thoughts on the attendance? I guess Chris. No, I think there was a good crowd. Um... I'm always I'm always curious what the production kills are and if those are getting bigger as they um, prioritize more of the broadcast stuff. But um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, in in general, I felt the crowd was the crowd that was there was was well engaged. They're excited to have them, so um, I, it wouldn't have been noticeable if I didn't look at the numbers. I will say I thought that the crowd on night one was not anywhere near as good as the crowd on night two, but uh, you know, you have just a way bigger crowd. Maybe that's it, but. I thought the crowd on night one took a while to get into the show and like was not very into some of the undercard. But yeah, the only um, time I noticed that was um, during, and we'll probably talk about during the match. I, I thought they were very quiet during Ishii and Evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, parts of the undercard too, but yeah, they weren't that into Ishii and Evil. Uh, Thomas, anything? Any thoughts on the attendance or anything else here before we get into the matches? I mean, it goes to show that New Japan can trot out a double header. You know, in Sapporo with a with like their C tier title on top and draw more than like any other promotion in the country can draw for their biggest show of the year, just kind of goes to show how incredibly New Japan has started to dominate the marketplace. Uh, so that, I don't think it could be seen as that much of a negative when you talk about it relative to the other promotions in the country. Yeah, I mean nobody else can really even do you know forty five sixty nine is higher than almost anyone will do all year you know yep. other than maybe DDT. DDT is probably the only one. Maybe Noah for their sumo hall. Yeah. Uh, so it opens up with Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasmo defeating Yuya Uemura and Tiger Mask in eight thirteen. Ishimori submitting Uemura with the yes lock. Um, I fucking was not that into this. Uh, I just have a note here that ELP stupid back rake suck, and uh, he does a freaking frog rake at one point, which is just, I don't know, that's the kind of heel stuff that's like so goofy that it, it even takes me out of it. I'm just not a big fan, and we'll talk about him even more when we get to his singles match on night two. Uh, 
there's a long heat segment in Uemura, which was, you know, which was fine. Uh, just kind of, kind of just there in general. Um, you know, I went two and a half, nothing special, nothing offensive, just kind of there. What do you think of these opener, Chris? Uh, similar. I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm growing tired of the ALP and Taiji Ishimori tag team in general. Like I want them both to go off and do, I, I just want best of the super juniors. Really. I want them both to have singles matches and, and to, especially Ishimori to like trot out his good stuff again. Um, but yeah, it was fine. I always like the Tiger Mask and, and Uemura combo. Um, I like Uemura a lot. I think um, he's primed to be uh, quite the quite the star for them long term. But um, they didn't they didn't show a lot with this. Um, I liked their match in um, Junior Tag League much better. Yeah, agreed. Thomas. Yeah, Taiji's a guy that you know I run very hot and cold on. I thought in Best of the Supers. Best of the Super Juniors last year. I know he was banged up, but I thought he was probably the worst guy in that tournament, um, or at least probably in my bottom three. Um, and then the year before that, in the Best of the Super Juniors, he had my match of the year. So he's a guy that I think is very inconsistent for me. And so I'm interested to see how he does this year, um, assumedly healthy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, he's the kind of guy that he, when he's really on, he can – really have outstanding matches and when he's when he doesn't care he can really sleepwalk through stuff but uh i guess we'll see i mean i i just like like what chris said i just kind of want to see him go off and do his own thing i'm kind of bored of this tag team as well uh maps number two toa hanare tomoraki honma and togi makabe defeating kuriyoshi tenzan manabu nakanishi and yota suji uh 941 hanare pinning suji with the toa bottom of course, the big story here is we're in the Nakanishi retirement tour as he'll retire later this month on the 22nd at Corican Hall. Um, I thought this was pretty fun. I thought Nakanishi and Hanari had this big beefy exchange early on that was good. Um, Suji and Hanari really went all out against each other. And, you know, I went three stars on it. I, I enjoyed myself. Chris, any thoughts on this six man? Yeah, I mean, as six man goes, I mean, with with this type of with this type of lineup, this was actually really good. Um, and I'm at the point where I pop anytime Hanari gets a pin because I want to see him break out of this this young boy thing. So, um, yeah, it was fun. I, it's good to see Nakanishi get in there and and get his spots in and uh, have people show appreciation for him on his way out. Um, but yeah, ultimately, this was it was mostly about uh, I think. Suji and Hanari kind of getting after it, and and the finishing sequence was great. Thomas, yeah, Hanari getting the pin is is the main story here, and we'll see what direction New Japan goes with the Never Title because um, they've teased a couple different matches. There's, I would say, probably three logical challengers um, for who title who challenges for that title next. So I'm just interested to see if Toa is the guy there. Um, so getting the pin here is obviously a point in his favor. Uh, match number three, Will Ospreay, Rapungi 3K, and Ryusuke Taguchi defeating the Suzuki-Goon team of Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Desperado Kanemaru, and Doki. Taguchi being Doki in 11.45 with the Dodon. Uh, this, again, was, like I think, a really good undercard tag. Um, you know, start out with a really big, big brawl. Uh, Osprey and Zack exchanges looked really good. Um, there's just a lot of, like, fast-paced junior action, which... You know, these junior, um, you know, even though Osprey and Zach are not, I guess, juniors anymore, but, you know, these junior, like, 
multi-man tags always end up being some of my favorites because they just you know kind of non-stop action and you know by the time it was over i went three and a half on it i thought this was like a really good undercard tag chris anything else, any thoughts on this one yeah it's really good um kind of chaotic suzuki goon brawl um but they you know they brought it into the ring and the, the ring action was good um always uneventful when dookie takes the pin um but i love taguchi um kind of taking over the the tail end of it but yeah the osprey and and zach saber jr stuff was great um i think that the they teased the next night really well it was a good preview match and that that's what it was all about besides um i guess letting the other guys get a little bit of ring time in thomas yeah i mean my big note here was i'm just i guess it was something that i forgot about it was certainly a thing early on in the year last year was kind of the merging of chaos and like the new japan main stable guys and between this match and the next match you have four chaos guys and two of the Tukuchi japan guys so i don't know why they just didn't have the four chaos guys team together and have Taguchi team with Lee instead of Eagles. Um, so, because well, they want to keep Eagles, they're teasing Eagles and Hiromu, I think. I think they're right. trying to, yeah, they're trying, or they're really trying to put Eagles over Bushi. It seems to be yeah. the story. Like is, to make is, sure that he's past Bushi. Is, so is, they, is a pin over Bushi that much different than a pin over yeah. like Yoshinobu Kanemaru or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you're right. Like he does seem to be the next challenger. Yeah. Um, if they well, where would they even fit that in before Best of the Super Juniors? Well, they might do it on New Japan Road, or right. like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they could do it at Sakura Genesis too. Right. You still got still got time and Taku. When is Best of the Super Juniors? It's in it's May. After, it's, it's in May. Yeah, it's after. It's after, after yeah, it's after Dentaku. Okay, yeah, so there'll definitely be at least one more junior title, maybe even two. So yeah, yeah. I guess there's yeah. time to do that, but. I mean the 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 New Japan main army and chaos like right. uh, merger that's not a merger thing that's like uh, not even notable to me anymore. It's just just you know. It's just I ranted a, about that. Yeah, yeah, I ranted about that a few times last year, but like that's just how it is, and it's not going to change. So it's not worth complaining about at this point. Uh, Ryu Lee and Robbie Eagles defeating Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi was your fourth match of the night. Uh, Eagles submitted Bushi in eleven forty seven with the Ron Miller special. Uh, this again, I thought was quite good for an undercard tag. Um, you know, it was all Hiromu and Bushi early. They kind of took it to the floor and dominated. Um, there is like a, a long heat segment on, on Eagles, but with some really fun double teams. Um, and this is where I just noted that I really like the new, like, thick boy Hiromu act where he's much more like, uh, you know, he's like a he's put on weight since before he got injured and he just kind of like. Well, sometimes there's no sell like the other juniors attacks. Like here it was really Robbie's chops and then just like leveled him with an elbow. So he's kind of leaning into the like power junior type role that, you know, I guess you could say Shingo, um, you know, has left open. And then, you know, Rio Lee tagged in and he did the Naito uh, combination cabron in the corner, uh, did the Naito eye pose and like spit at him, which I thought was kind of cool. And he did like the Shibata elbows and then the huge drop kick. Um, and we got like a crazy like suplex exchange with both men like no selling each other before her would finally hit this overhead belly to belly in the corner. Um, but yeah, this is a real good tag match. I went three and a half again. So the undercard here was quite good. Uh, you know, full of good stuff other than the opener. What do you think, Chris? Um, I loved that 
that suplex exchange between uh Hiromu and and Lee. I thought that was a really cool spot. I think it it um really established that they are willing to kind of go after each other uh in their in their match next week. So that was a good preview. Um I I always love Robbie Eagles. He's one of my favorite guys. Um so I want him to get as much shine as he can. So I mean to be perfectly honest, uh uh submitting Bushi doesn't uh necessarily trip that trigger, but he got he got some shine here, and, and it seems like they're trying to give him the opportunity to rack up some some wins and some and some falls here, so that uh, it it lines up for him to come after Hiromu eventually. Yeah, and he, he I thought he looked great on both these shows. So, oh yeah, I mean he's he's always good, but I thought he really looked uh, he was a standout performer. Thomas, what do you think? Yeah, this was another you know really good undercard tag. Um, I'd go probably about three and a quarter with it. Uh, it was pretty obvious who was taking the fall, I guess. Um, Lee and Hiromu, uh, I'm so excited for that match. I mean, coming up just just a week from now. Uh, I mean, anytime those two guys get in the ring, you have you know potential that's out of this world. So that's one of my favorite rivalries in the company, and uh, I'm excited. First time they've you know had a match and since Hiromu's injury uh, in the match yeah. where he got injured. So you know. He's gonna do the uh, the Phoenix plaques and like all Osaka's like they're fucking hard to drop it down down the throat. Uh, match number five: Jay White and Kenta defeating Naito and Sonata in eighteen twenty four. Uh, White pinning Sonata with a schoolboy, but we'll get into what the actual finish was. Um, so this started with like a long stall stall session by Kenta on Naito, which watching someone else stall on Naito is always kind of funny. Um, but yeah, and then I love that Naito was like ready for Jay to try to jump him from behind once Kenta got back in the ring for the standoff because Lij has done that to every other team in this company like a million times. So I thought it was great that they, Naito was completely ready for it. Um, but yeah, there was like a very boring heat segment on Sonata, so that wasn't great. Uh, but Naito had a hot tide that did get us a little bit of excitement. Um, you know, they look like they were on the, on different pages for a second, but got it back together with a good little sequence ending with a, the German no sell by Naito and then like a big spine buster. Um, you know, Sonata and White tagged in at that point. Uh, Sonata hit a big plancha on White just before the 15 minute call. Uh, it did surprise me. We had gone that long already, so it definitely didn't drag at least. Um, but then Sonata, he almost pins White with the O'Connor roll again. Uh, White shoves him off and Sonata hits a chair by Gato. And then white pinned them with a handful of tights. Uh, I didn't like that finish. I thought it was it looked very goofy, so that took it down a notch for me. I went with the gentleman's three. Uh, there was good stuff here, but not not enough to carry any eighteen and a half minute tag. Chris, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I thought it was fine. I don't have a whole lot to say about it, to be honest. Um, I was curious who who or how they were going to get out of someone someone in this group taking a fall, and uh, you know, of course, they did it with Gato. Thomas? I don't know. I thought this was like pretty bad to be completely honest with you guys. Uh, it just went so long. We don't need random buildup tags fourth from the top going 20 minutes. Um, you know, when the next three matches are all also going to go 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm not a fan of some of the match lengths uh, in this company sometimes. And I know that's a critique that can get you know, overplayed, but uh, this was just frankly kind of an absurd, just this felt like this went on forever and I can do the ghetto stuff sometimes. Sometimes I enjoy it. Um, but when I'm just like sitting through, so I'm like, come on, I just want to get, just want to get to the good stuff. Why is this going on for so long? Um, 
Yeah. Uh, maps number six, third from the top here, Minoru Suzuki and Taichi defeating Kazuchika Okada and John Moxley, 1748. Suzuki pinning Moxley with the gut style pile driver. Uh, first of all, Moxley, of course, was still wearing the eye patch from uh, Chris Jericho's attack in AEW. Um, Kevin Kelly mentioned that without saying the letters AEW, but you know it's fine to mention Jericho, I guess, because he's a you know a, a regular guest star here. But uh, it was a good little reminder of you know I don't know like this. It it, it made me think of how much I missed you know watching New Japan after all this time. I didn't really watch Fantastic Mania, and you know it just was was missing New Japan and AEW. Uh, weekly television is a poor substitute. So it was a good little reminder, like, yep, that company that I have already given up on, and I definitely don't miss uh, commercial breaks or the Dark Order or the Nightmare Collective, or which I guess broke up, actually, but uh, or something happened, I don't know. But yeah, I don't miss any of that goofy bullshit. It's nice just having a eight-match wrestling card of a bunch of matches. Um, but yeah, so there was a long... Suzuki and Moxley strike exchange to start. Uh, Moxley like wound up his right arm forever, but then just like slapped him with the left instead and flipped him off, which was really funny. But then Suzuki <laughs> tried to break his finger, which was also great. Um, you know, we uh, we had Okada and Moxley doing like double teams at one point, which I thought was also kind of amusing and looked like Okada was a member of the Shield or something. And then Suzuki and Moxley were doing like the dueling barricades on the floor when we really got into the the floor brawling. Um, you know, they they did like Okada and Taichi kind of took things down a little bit with like rest holds, but then they got going with like a a Hurricanrana counter out of a power bomb by Okada, which is not something you see every day. Um, but yeah, this is also where when Suzuki and Moxley got back in the ring, um, this is where like Mo- Suzuki like gets like a cross arm breaker and then was like kicking at his injured eye in the corner. But at this point you could see like the patch and the tape come off. So you could kind of see that Moxie's eye was fine. And the camera at this point like zoomed in on his face. And I'm like, I don't know if this is the time to zoom in on his face when uh, this eye patch came off and you can see his eye is totally fine. But uh, I guess it's not their angle anyway. So who cares? <laughs> but yeah, then Taichi and Okada, you know, had another really good exchange ending with this huge backdrop from Taichi. Uh, Suzuki and Moxie slugged it out again. Uh, and this is where I thought it really like hit another level. And Suzuki chokes him out, hits the God style power driver, one, two, three, completely clean pin on Moxley. Um, I thought again this was a very good tag. It went three and a half stars on it and had a good time with it. Uh, and I guess we can talk about the post match angle after. But what do you think of the match itself, Chris? I think Moxley is just at, he he's in his element in New Japan. Like he's a I don't want to say he's a different character than than what he's selling in AEW, but I think he's it's it's much more aligned with how he wants to present professional wrestling. So I love I love every time he shows up. Pretty much, I think he he adds a lot. He adds a little bit of a little bit of a different character just because we haven't. He's not so played out in in New Japan yet. But um, the interactions with him and Okada were were fun. It's very very cool to see those guys finally stand on the same side of the ring. I mean, this was the first time Moxley had tagged with anyone but Shota Amino. So um, for him to jump right up to Okada uh, is, is, is awesome. And um, yeah, the interactions with Suzuki uh, just throughout this whole weekend were, were just great. And I think that uh, even though it's not at the, the top of the card, that, that match in um, Osaka, Osaka. Gonna, yeah, Osaka is going to be, that's going to be 
they're gonna go at it they're gonna try to put on a show and it's it's gonna be i'm looking forward to it and i'm looking forward to seeing how it, it plays out yeah moxie and suzuki just have great chemistry together so uh yeah. that, that's been very clear throughout the build-up so i'm very looking forward to that singles match as well and i i totally agree that he just he moxie brings that element to to new japan of like you know the the western brawler type like which you know, I don't know. Some people acted like, well, how the hell is Dean Ambrose going to fit in to New Japan Pro Wrestling? But like, I don't know. He fits in really well. And he fits like a, a, an archetype that, you know, Japanese wrestling has had for decades. I mean, he looks like, you know, not to compare him to, you know, some all time legends, but I mean, he has that same kind of like, you know, Western outlaw kind of thing that, you know, that's been a big character in Japanese wrestling forever. So, yeah, he fits in really well here, and you know, I think, like you said, he, you know, I, I always, I enjoy him a lot more than I enjoy him in AEW. But you know, I've, like I said earlier, I kind of given up on AEW in general. So let's just yeah, go. I just think I think Mox, Mox is a guy who can, he can tell the story without, uh, between the bells. Really, he can he can build up a match, uh, with a couple of different couple of interactions, and it doesn't have to be this big poster pre-match angle it doesn't have to be an interview it doesn't have to be him standing in the ring for 20 minutes talking at a camera um it doesn't have to be hard cammed like he he's good at kind of building out that that kind of narrative timeline with uh like uh, with the parameters of of the bell the two bells and and also like without necessarily having to to do a lot you know he, he does a lot with a little so and, and especially in new japan and i think um once you get into u.s wrestling you're there's a lot of overthinking so yeah I mean, it's just every everything has to be a big angle it's true uh thomas what'd you think of this one it was really good i, I went three and a half stars on it um lots of fun stuff i'm really excited for moxley and suzuki i loved mox's g1 run um, but I thought both of his matches on Wrestle Kingdom uh, disapp- were disappointing for me, um, and I don't really watch AEW, so that's been my only exposure to him this year. Uh, so hopefully he rebounds, and I think uh, you know semi main spot in Osaka Joe Hall against Minoru Suzuki. I think there's a good chance that they do. I like the Archer match. I didn't like the Juice match either, but I think that's a pretty common take. Not liking the Juice match that much. Uh, semi main. Tomohiro Ishii defeating Evil in 21-14 with the vertical drop frame buster. Um, you know, this, of course, started with the big form exchange, as you'd expect. Uh, Evil got the knockdown at the shoulder block, and then they ended up on the floor where you know, they had some more shoulder blocks, and he attacked Evil with a chair, which I thought was kind of interesting. Evil kind of well-known for that. But uh, Evil countered by, like, punching the chair back into his face after a brief distraction by Red Shoe, so that was cool. Um but yeah, it kind of got a little sleepy from there as well, you know, which they, we talked about earlier, the crowd really was not that into this, which I, I'm sure also heard it in general, but there were still some other highlights, like a big backdrop of Ishii at the end of a good exchange, and, uh, you know, Evil at one point just keeps dropping Ishii with these half-and-half half suplexes, and the sleepy crowd finally starts to get into it a little bit. Um but, you know, by the time it was over, I thought, you know, the the last, like, I've seen some other people have this match pretty low. I thought the last, like, I would say, I don't know, like six minutes or so really saved it for me. Not that the not that it was awful before that, but it took a match that I would have rated far lower up to at least three and three quarters. But, yeah, I would still call, um, you know, three and three quarters, you know, below 
what I would have expected going in. I would have thought this would be a four-plus-star match, but it was still very good. Uh, it just we was hurt by uh, the crowd not being that into it, and you know, was it had did have a sleepy early portion, and they did struggle to make up for that. But the end of it was still really good. What did you think, Chris? I'm never super excited for evil singles matches. I've just I don't know that I've ever seen one that really peaked for me. So um, you know, my excitement for this match really came from Ishi being um being a, a component here so and because i i am excited for him typically so um i think it, it hit my expectations it's uh i wanted it to have something more or a big spot or something impressive and it really just it it, it was the baseline match i would expect from these two guys um evil losing or, or ishi winning it, it makes me wonder what what in the world they're doing with evil and how they're going to make him, um, you know, a relevant kind of component to either LIJ or even kind of the, any of the title pictures. Um, they haven't, they've never really done much to, to build him up as a singles guy. So, um, so I guess here we go again with, with what was going on with evil. So, um, that's, that's kind of my question coming out of this. I know Ishii can, can go and he'll land back in the never title you know, space and he'll have a good new Japan cup. But um, when, when do we start to see the direction that they're going with evil is kind of my question right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a fair question. Um, you know, I, I usually like evil a lot more than that, but I just thought he, you know, he, he does have a tendency to occasionally come up a little small in these big singles matches. And I guess he kind of did here. I, I don't really feel like it was either guy's fault though. I just kind of feel like they didn't, click as well as they could have and the crowd really wasn't that into it and just never uh got past a certain level but it was still a very good match what do you think thomas uh, i thought it was good i didn't get a lot of the hate um that it was getting online uh i went four stars on it actually i really enjoyed it uh a lot of the a lot of the heavy the heavy hitting stuff was a lot of fun um as for the winner ishii going in you know to the never direction could be a lot of fun or um, I've seen some some speculation on his prospects of a New Japan Cup win, uh, so we'll see where that goes. But really great match for me, four stars. They are maybe they're also just saving a big evil win over Ishii for something else because now, yeah, he's, now he's, yeah, he's zero and eight, I think. And Jeez. then if you don't if you don't count, I think that's like five young line matches. But then he's still so maybe it's zero nine now. I don't know. He's zero. It's zero. Oh, and nine now he was yeah. uh he's oh and four yeah, as evil yeah. yeah so he because he lost uh it was like a new japan cup match a ring of honor tv title match and then like last year at uh i think wrestling Dantaku. so i think that's all three of them but uh but yeah now obviously here again so maybe they're just saving evil's big win over ishii for something bigger or something i don't know yeah i i just i don't i don't know if that's worth like really building up to I, mm. it, unless I mean, that would be some really long-term booking. Yeah. Uh, the didn't, main event... Didn't oh, Evil sorry. have a big losing streak angle with Zack Sabre last year, too? So Yeah, they, they kind of did do that, right? Like, not yeah. a huge one, but a, yeah. So we'll see if they, you know, try that again. The main event, the Never Openweight Championship match, Shingo Takagi defeating Hiroki Goto in 2010 with the last of the Dragon to become the 29th champion. I have to say... Uh, I do these previews and my predictions on every match, every main event match, all four of them were wrong. So a banner 
banner weekend for me in my previews if you read them on the voice of wrestling website but yeah i just i thought coming in that shingo was not going to win this because more than anything that he had that those u.s indie dates coming up on mania weekend and i wasn't sure if they wanted him to go in as never champion but maybe shingo's gonna win every match anyway maybe it just doesn't matter so um but there you go as far as the match itself this was you know fucking awesome pretty much exactly what i expected um you know, a lot of standing and trading early. Uh, Shingo looked really dominant early on. He just, like, shrugged off Goto's offense and, you know, and then to add insult to injury, he just kind of taunts Goto and says no one's cheering for the champion. But I'm like, oh, you're getting a little too real here because especially since Goto went on to lose this one. Uh, you know, there was a story where Goto would fight back and Shingo would just take over again pretty quick. Uh, he was very dominant. But uh, Goto finally puts Shingo down with the Usigo, uh, the Usigo Roshi as we hit the 10-minute mark. Um, there's like a big lariat and backdrop no-sell sequence that Goto got the better of. That was a really awesome sequence. Uh, he comes out on top of the following lariat strike exchange as well, but Shingo quickly recovers and wins another lariat battle. Um, Shingo, he did something off the top rope. I, I'm not sure what move it was. I couldn't hear what the announcer said. I think... I mean, it looked like the blood fall to me, which is a, a movie used to use in Dragon Gate. So I don't know if he has a new name for that or something. I don't know if either one of you caught it, but uh, it was like a oh, like a really brutal looking like off the top rope move. Um, but yeah, then Goto kind of answered with his own off the top rope, the Yoshi tonic that he does from time to time. Uh, that got two again. Um, they traded GTRs, and here I found out that Shingo's GTR stands for the Great Takagi Revolution, which I thought was really funny. But, uh, you know, they, Shingo wins another big Lariat battle with, like, this gigantic pumping bomber. Uh, they have another struggle, and Goto gets the Shoten Kai out of nowhere, which that move can be really hit or miss, but it really hit here. And the crowd's going absolutely nuts here, which, you know, for a crowd that wasn't super into this show, especially not that into the last match, you know, to win them over like that, that was uh, something. And then there's, like, a big headbutt exchange. They have a big stalemate. Uh, Shingo starts no-selling Goto's elbows again. Uh, the, the strikes get even more vicious, and then, you know, Goto manages to shrug off. Two closed fists, keeps going with the headbutts, hits the reverse GTR, goes for the regular one, but Shingo counters with the Made in Japan for two. Uh, we hit the 20-minute mark, and Shingo just puts him away at the last of the dragon. I thought that finish was perfect. You know, he didn't... He, he looked like the be better man, which he did throughout this match, and, you know, you could say... You can make a lot of go-to-the-geek jokes here, and they probably deserve, but, I mean, Shingo clearly... Clearly, if you're going to push Shingo over, you might as well put him over strong since, you know, Goto is what he is at this point and Shingo is still climbing the ranks. So I thought it was awesome. Uh, everything you could have won out of these two, four and a half stars. And then Shingo locked eyes at show at ringside. And they teased the another Shingo and show match for the Never title, which would be awesome. Truly open weight. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on this one? And uh, were you surprised that Shingo won? Yeah, I was really surprised Shingo won, but I was excited because I want... I want the never title to be something a little bit more than it has been over the past, I say, I guess year, year and a half. Um, and I, I think Shingo is probably the guy to bring it up, especially with the intercontinental um, being kind of tied to the heavyweight championship right now. Yeah. So the, that this was the most exciting outcome. Um, Shingo matches are some of my favorite matches in pro wrestling right now. So this, you know, this match with Goto, just another in a series of great matches with Goto. I don't know which one I like better, this one or the uh, Destruction in Kobe, but they they have good chemistry. I think that um, Shingo drives the pace of of Goto's matches up a little bit, and Goto can he can 
keep up. I just think when he's the one kind of kind of dictating the pace, he's not ever going to go for that kind of um, high cardio, you know, spot after spot after spot pace. So this was this this really hit the spot for me. I think that um, Shingo can do a lot with this title. And he, cause he can, he can, as we saw last year, like he can definitely work up uh, a weight class or work down a weight class. So I think this might be the opportunity to truly establish the open weight title as an open weight title. Um, so I'd like to see his first, you know, a couple of defenses kind of span the, the weight classes a little bit so that that is more defined again. And, um, but I think that if Shingo can have a good long run with the never title, then they can, they can keep the IC attached to the heavyweight for as long as they need to. Um, if, if they can really establish this belt as, as that next tier. So I had a blast watching this match. I would, I'll watch it again, probably later this week, just to get down the details. What'd you think of this one, Thomas? Yeah, this was just tremendous stuff. Uh, four and a quarter for me, uh, on the one hand, I'm a little sad Goto didn't hold on to this title for a little longer because Goto in the Never Seen is just you know awesome to see. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean Shingo with this title, I hope he holds this title till Wrestle Kingdom next year and just you know defends against a bevy of guys because there's you know we've seen a lot from Shingo last year, but there's still so many matches that we haven't seen, and so I'm really excited to see what he can do with this title. Uh, and like I said, there's three you know reasonable challengers you know, that he could go to next between show uh, Toa Hanare, who's called him out. And then also uh, Tomohiro Ishii, which would be the logical challenger from a booking perspective uh, because he got the win in the semi-main event on the show. Uh, but whichever direction they go, I mean, those are all sure to be great matches. Uh, and I'm really excited for it. What did you, what did you give it star rating? Why didn't hear that? I went four and a quarter. Okay. By the way, you sound like underwater or something. All of a sudden, I don't know what happened really, but. Well, we'll see what we'll see what we can do. The but yeah, night one overall. Uh, I thought this was a very good show. You know, awesome main event. You know, some really good stuff on the undercard. I could see saying that the you know the semi main was a little disappointing, but uh, you know I didn't think it was enough to take the show down from anything other than being very good. Any final thoughts on night one, Chris? No, it's a fun show. I was really really refreshing to have New Japan back on my on my television screen. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really watch any of Fantastic Mania, so I definitely missed them. Uh, Thomas, any final thoughts? Very good show. Uh, undercard tags were great, and I think the top two were very good uh, with the main event, you know, being a legitimately great match that, you know, sets up a lot of interesting opportunities for the future. Uh, you, you sound fine now, by the way, so I don't know. What right. that's <laughs> uh, yeah, that's night one. Night two... Uh, opened up with Toa. Oh, first of all, I guess the attendance. It did 5,690. Again, just a few hundred down from last year, which was 6,089. Has to be said, the main event last year, Naito versus Taichi. Main event this year, Okada versus Taichi. Finally, we have it. Definitive proof. Did see a Naito a bigger draw than Kazuchika Okada. There you go. Or we have proof <laughs> that Taichi is indeed a draw. Yes, either way, you want to whatever, however you want to say it. But yeah, this was a uh, you know almost a sellout. I think it would have been a sellout under, before they added more seats last year. So like, you know, I wonder. Let me actually let me check something real quick. I want to see new beginning in Sapporo, night two, twenty eighteen. 
Did Taichi and Okada outdraw the gamer? I bet they did. Yes, 5,140 was night two two years ago. So there's still <laughs> almost 600 fans more than Kenny Omega and Jay White did. So way to go, uh, Okada and Taichi. But yes, so a new beginning in Sapporo night two. You know, not not really anything to be concerned with if you look at the attendance. I mean, 400 less is like whatever. Uh, match number one. Toa, Hen- Toa Hanare defeating Yota Suji in 8-16 with the Toa bottom. Uh, you know, this is a really fun opener, I thought. You know, it started with the big shoulder block battle, which you'd expect from these two, which and Hanare won. Uh, the crowd got really behind Suji when he, like, fired up and put him down with a combo and a spear. Um, and, and this is where I noted, too, like, I don't know if it's just because it was a bigger crowd or what, but they the crowd sounded way more into this than they did into some of the undercard stuff the previous night. Um, but yeah, Hanari fences him with the toe of bottom. I went three and a quarter on this. I had a great time with a, you know, eight minute for an eight minute singles match between a young lion and an almost young lion. I thought it was really good. What'd you think of this one, Chris? I'm a big fan of the young lion singles matches, um, as opposed to kind of mixing them in with the, uh, the old guys. So this, this hit the spot for me. I know Hanari is technically out of that, out of that phase, but, um, he he still kind of lives there, but I, I'm I'm waiting for them to do something. He did grab the mic from Kevin Kelly and and start talking about um, that he was done with the young boys. So um, I want to see that come true. So, but Hanari's Hanari's great. He looks really good right now. So like now's the time for him to um, take that opportunity and step up and 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 try to get some of those matches under his belt. So even if this is just the year that he. Um, kind of runs the zero fall differential versus the negative 57 from last year. Um, that would be, you know, significant movement. And, and if he can get involved in anything um, out of the first two matches on a, on a card, I think that that'll be a sign of things to come for him. So um, Suji looks good too. I mean, even though he's, he has put on a significant amount of weight in the last year, but he looks, um, he looks like he can carry it. So I think that there's some strength underneath a little bit of that um, that added meat. So the these guys going after it, uh, this you know this could be a future matchup in that in that kind of hard hitting strong style big guy um, big guy phase. So um, I think this is I think this is really good. I had a really good time. I know Suji wants to go on an excursion to Mexico. He says, which would be interesting. I mean, he'd be like the first real big heavyweight I can remember going to Mexico in a while. So. Uh, what do you think of this one, Thomas? Really, really fun opener. I thought um, Toe's got a lot of potential. I went three stars on it, um, which is you know solid for a nice little eight minute opener or whatever it was. Uh, Mats number two, we had Hiroshi Tenzan, Manabu Nakanishi, and Tiger Mask defeating Togi Makabe, Tomoyaki Hanma, and Nuya Uemura in nine forty eight. When Tiger Mask pinned Uemura with the Tiger Suplex hold. Uh, so we started out here. With, it looked like it was going to be Uramura and Tiger Mask, and they had Tiger Mask had like berated him backstage yesterday after their tag match. So that that like kind of had some added heat there. But uh, it turned out to be Nakanishi starting out instead. The crowd just really wanted Nakanishi, so I don't even know if that was planned, but they did tag in Nakanishi. Uh, did not go well for you, as you can imagine. Uh, and then Tenza and Nakanishi like splattered Honma. Uh, who maybe should have retired before Nakanishi, honestly, but uh, he just kind of like got destroyed here. Um, 
you know, Makabe, Makabe had his working boots on in this one, which for him means like he did running clotheslines in both quarters. He took, I think, like three or four actual bumps, which, uh, you know, is more than he takes a lot of days. Uh, but yeah, then Tiger Mask and Rimura finally get in together, and Rimura gets the better of him for a little bit before Nakanishi comes in to break out of Boston Crab. Uh, Tiger like comes back with a really hard kick to the skull, a butterfly suplex up the top, which looked great, and Makabe made the save there. And Tiger finally finishes him with the Tiger suplex hold. Again, a very fun undercard match. I went three and a quarter, and I had a real good time here. So, oh, I, I just realized you never talked about the Okada Taichi angle yesterday. I guess we can talk about that when we get up to Okada and Taichi. But don't let me forget, I guess. Okay. Uh, Chris, what did you think of match two here? I think it was good. I think it was um, it was everything that they they needed it to be to get Nakanishi some some time. Um, and I think, I mean, Tiger murdered Yumira with that high kick. Um, and then, so the finishing sequence, uh, starting starting with that kick, was, was great. Um, interesting to see them just kind of like split them up or, or, or at least create some dissension with that little combo that they've had going for a while. And I wonder if that'll kind of continue with Tiger just kind of beating up Yumura and trying to make him into a tough, a tough, a tough boy. So um, good match, fun time. Uh, I like that Nakanishi got to cut a little promo after the match too. Thomas. Yeah. Um, nothing really to add, you know, a standard little new Japan undercard match. Um, Nakanishi, you know, I'm going to miss him a little bit. I'm going to miss him a lot. Yeah. What was his, who did he have in the New Japan Cup last year in a match Uh, that was like absurdly way too good for what it should have been? That's a good question. I I vaguely remember this, but I don't remember who it was either. Let's see. Cage match will know. Cage match will know. You know, you can always trust Cage match to bail you out in these situations. Yeah. Because I can pick, almost picture, what was it Hanari? Did Hanari beat him? I don't know. I'll just continue to stall as cage as you pull up cage match. You know. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> it was, oh, it was Yoshi, Yoshi Hashi. It was Yoshi fucking Hashi. Yeah. Wow. That must have been. I mean, that was. I remember. I do remember that being good. So. Yeah, I remember it being way better than it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, match number three: El Fantasmo defeating uh, Gabriel Kidd in eight fifty with a flying body press. Uh, Gabriel Kidd, of course, is a new LA Dojo young lion. He. You know, he's from England and has a big history with the, you know, the British uh, Indies and I guess also in Defiant and other places in Seattle. Uh, this is the first thing on the show. You know, we've been very positive about these two shows. Uh, this is the first thing I'm going to really bury. I fucking hated this match. Um, you know, it was okay at the start with Kid running wild and, you know, before ELP took a powder. But then it just got e- ELP's offense. He has the possibly the stupidest offense in all of professional wrestling. Like he, he switches between like working over the hand and arm for a while. Very boring. Then he switches to like these wacky rope walks and does this, this jump and Rana. Like why, like what is the connection here? Why are you going from these, you know, working with this guy's arm to like bounce it around the ropes. It just looks like there's no transitions. There's no match flow. Then he's doing his fucking, uh, he's doing his fucking back rakes forever. Then he's getting a rest hold. Um, you know, Gabriel Kidd like collapses after he does a body slam. And I'm like, why are you collapsing? He hasn't done anything to you to to like result in you collapsing. He's raked your back mostly for the last couple minutes. And he like jumped around the ropes and you're like 
throwing this body slam and falling to the ground like you're uh like you've really been battered here. That that was incredibly stupid. Um it just looked hokey as hell. Being, again, because mo- all of EOP's offense was so bad. And then EOP finally puts Kid and me out of our misery with the top rope body press. Uh, I went two stars, and after recapping it, I feel like that might have even been too high. Uh, I really hated this. The the whiplash between his you know, indie-rific spots and the boring heel shit is just awful. Uh, he does not know how to lay out a singles match, especially like... You know, th- like, this is a... It's you versus the line, buddy. Just fucking... Give him his hope spots and, you know, put him away. You don't have to do the bouncing around the ropes and I don't know. It just wasn't good. I didn't didn't like this at all. So, Chris, what did you think of uh, – are you going to defend ELP here? Which No. <laughs> no, I'm not an ELP defender. Um, but I was I was mostly watching this match just to get a feel for Gabriel Kidd because I've never seen him on tape. Yeah, I've so. never seen him either. Yeah, so like I, I guess I wasn't, I, I wasn't super mindful of um, the stuff I'm usually watching for, like pacing and 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 stuff like that. So I was looking at Gabriel Kidd and kind of like the kind of how crisp his moves are and, and where he's headed. And he, he looked good, and he was he was a little vocal at the beginning of the match, and I thought that that was interesting, um, especially as he is is being presented as a young lion, even though he is he's very he's got a lot of experience. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't paying too much attention, but but nothing ELP did stood out to me beyond. But maybe I'm just so used to the damn um, ELP Ishimori, you know, shenanigans that none of this really stood out to me. Um, but it also didn't give me that good of a, a vision for what what Kid looks like. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him in a match with even just another young lion or someone like Yumura that um you know I could start to really see what Gabriel Kid's got bringing to the table. Yeah, I totally agree that Gabriel Kidd didn't. I mean, he looked all right, especially the opening, the opening stuff. But you know, he just he didn't really get much of a chance to make an impression. He's just it was just all the uh, the friggin' uh, ELP circus. But Kidd does have a couple of singles matches at Cork, and he has uh, Taguchi on Tuesday and uh, Urimura on Wednesday. Then fucking so ELP again. Oh yeah, ELP again on Thursday. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, those, first, <laughs> those first two sound real good though. Yeah. So hopefully we get the chance there. Thomas, uh, what'd you think of this uh, showcase? Yeah. The showcase. Uh, I've seen the El- or <laughs> I've seen ELP before. I've seen the Gabriel Kid before a couple times, and I think uh, the What Culture, whatever their promotion was called, a few years ago, and he was pretty good there. I thought so. It's interesting that he's positioned as a young lion, uh, as Chris said, because he's you know an experienced guy. Um, I thought he looked pretty good here. Um, he has a good look. He's he looks crisp. But uh, ELP, like he's really bad. Like, he's. He, I think he had a couple good matches last year. I really enjoyed the Rocky match. But when he's in t- entrusted to lead a match, uh, it's just it's just not good. He's he's uh, he's not at the point yet where he knows how to structure a match yet. I guess uh, at least for my taste. So this is two stars for me. Um, and like you said, I don't know. I could have gone lower. It fucking sucked. <laughs> uh, match number four. I mean, it's the only thing we're really gonna bury on these two shows, so I guess that's good. But uh, yeah, that that match fucking sucked. Match number four: uh, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Robbie Eagles defeating Shingo Takagi, Evil, and Bushi. Nine forty-two. Eagles tapping at Bushi with the Ron Miller special. Uh, first of all, I did not even realize this was the exact same match that's <laughs> headlining too. Thursday's Corican yep. for the Never Six Man belts until Kevin Kelly said it when they were coming out. I was like, oh. Uh, okay. 
Um, and Shingo walking out with both never belts. That was just cool as hell. Like we're in like double title mood, I guess, but that was like, that was such a cool little thing for Shingo just to come out with both those belts. Um, you know, everybody kind of paired off. Uh, Robbie, Robbie, again, I mentioned him yesterday, but he looked great here with his kicking the crap out of Bushi. He was like probably the highlight of the match. Um, there was a really good Shingo and Goto exchange again with uh, Goto putting Shingo down the Lariat. Uh, we got like a brief evil Ishii exchange, and then uh, he and, Sh- and then Ishii and Shingo really went hard at each other, which was really good. Uh, a really hard form exchange, and then a big short arm lariat from Shingo. Uh, and then the ending was like I put the match up a quarter star just for the end, which was uh, you know everybody like ran in, everybody teams up to work over Bushi. Uh, you know Eagles does the four fifty on Bushi's legs, and then puts him in the run mode special. Uh, everyone runs, you know, Goto and Shingo run into, or Goto and Shingo, Shingo and Evil run in to try to break it up, but uh, Goto and Ishii stop them with stereo Ushigoroshis, and then Ibushi struggles for a long time and finally taps out to the Ron Miller special. Uh, again, three and a half. This was quite good, and hopefully the title match on Thursday is even better, but this was this was real fun. Chris, what'd you think of this uh, six man tag? I love the uh, the stereo Ushiroshis. I thought that was yeah. just a that was a cool look. They got a really good camera shot on it too, um, which yeah. is uh, always helpful. The Eagles finishing sequence of the the four fifty to the knee, and then the Ron Miller special. Um, you know, that's he's he's got it. Eagles Eagles is my guy. So um, this was fun. This is everything that a never open weight six man title match could be so um i think it's a little curious that they that they ran out the same match just without the titles on the line but um you know i guess i guess we'll see where that goes so i wouldn't mind them flipping the titles over to these guys and and having goto ishii and eagles defend them for a little while to to build up those that set of belts uh if they if they really want to do something with them this year but uh yeah good match fun a lot of action very little downtime um, and that's kind of what you're looking for in these types of matches. Uh, Thomas, what do you think? Yeah, this was really great stuff. I was three and a half on it. Uh, tons of fun. Eagles is a guy that I, I really love. Um, I don't know if he gets as much hype as maybe he deserves. Uh, he hasn't has, I don't think he's even had a junior title challenge. Has he? No, he hasn't had one yet. Yeah. I no. think that could be part of the reason, but you know, he's been tremendous. I think he's probably one of the top workers in the division, which is saying a lot given how stacked the division is. Uh, and, you know, I love this, you know, fun, fun closing stretch with Eagles and Bushi. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> after the match, Eagles does the belt motion. I'm like, oh, shoot, are we getting Eagles Shingo? And then Kevin Kelly pops up to remind me, oh, no, it's just a six-man title match at the court. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I'll take Eagles uh, Shingo, though. That sounds uh, great. Does sound yeah. Great. Thomas, you like sound weirdly deep now. I don't know what's going on with your microphone. <laughs> my, mic is, like... my mic is, you know, just, what are you going to do? It's giving you a giving you like a bonus, like uh I don't know, like a baritone or something. Uh <laughs> match number five, John Moxley, Rapungi 3K, and Ryusuke Taguchi. That was a real team, folks. Defeating Suzuki Goon, uh Minoru Suzuki, Desperado, and Kanemaru and Doki. Uh 1258, Taguchi pinning Doki, uh, or no, submitting Doki with the ankle lock. Um so basically, the the way they did this was Rapungi 3K and Taguchi count together, and then Moxie came out, you know, started coming down through his his own music, uh, down through the crowd like he does. But Suzuki like met him up in the stands, and they like fought all over the place. That was awesome. They ended up on this table at ringside, and they both tried to put each other through it before they both kind of just fell off. 
Uh, they took turns biting each other. Just a totally wild brawl. Uh, we, we at one point we like heard the announcers calling the Suzuki Moxley brawl on the floor while we're watching, uh, you know, action in the ring, which was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, then Moxley and Suzuki finally tag in the match officially, and you know, really go at it again. Uh, Taguchi then tries to get his like train going where he's like, you know, doing the, the, the manager calls, but you know, he's, he's trying to get Moxie's attention and Moxie just totally ignores him to fight with Suzuki. I thought that was perfect. I mean, Moxie doing the fucking wacky, uh, running around would have looked stupid. So that was great. He just totally blew off Taguchi and kept fighting Suzuki on the floor. Um, but that led to a funny spot where Taguchi was in there with all three of the others by himself when they took out Rebuggy 3K. And, you know, instead of like slinking away, he's now evolved to like tell them to bring it on and they just all beat the shit out of him. Um, but yeah, then we got like another crazy Suzuki Moxie exchange. And, you know, then they both like kind of, kind of hilarious, like both boot Taguchi down so they can keep brawling down to the floor again, which is great. Uh, and then Doki takes advantage and almost pins Taguchi with an inside cradle, which was kind of cool. But then he eats the Bamaye and then taps to the ankle lock. Uh, I thought this was really fun. I went three and a quarter. Uh, you know, pretty much all the undercard matches on these, all the undercard tags in these two shows are really good. So, um, you know, this was a lot of a lot of fun here. What'd you think of this one, Chris? Uh, this was again very much about Moxley and Suzuki. So I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's much more that I can say about those two. Um, this this was fun, though. It was fun to see Moxley interact with Taguchi a little bit. Um, there there was that one point where um, Suzuki and Moxley were just, like, beating the hell out of each other, and Taguchi tried to come in and break it up, and they both kicked him. Um, and it was like, you know, Moxley didn't care if he was on the same team. He was just going after Suzuki, so that was cool. Um, I'm sure the intention when they put this match on paper was to build up Sho and Yo with... Kanemaru and um and El Desperado but I didn't I didn't see much of that because that is a match on the um Osaka show but um I don't know that those those guys need another another set of build-ups so I think it's okay that they focused more about uh, Suzuki and Moxley yeah uh Thomas what'd you think yeah not much more to add um it's good seeing Suzuki so motivated uh, he was someone that I kind of figured could be done with done with New Japan I think there are rumors swirling around and uh, I personally heard a rumor like he was supposed to, or uh, there. I don't know if there was any validity to it because obviously it didn't happen. Um, but that Noah uh, mystery show on January fifth, and he wasn't booked on New Japan's January fifth Wrestle Kingdom show, so there was a lot of you know rumors swirling around that like, could he appear there. Um, but now nah, he's sticking in New Japan and he seems motivated, and it's great to see. And now he's semi main eventing Osaka Joe Hall like a month after people were wondering if he would be out of the company. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, fun little match. I enjoyed Taguchi's comedy. Uh, after this, they announced a Hokkaido tour for mid-July, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool. I mean, they're, they're, it's a short tour. Uh, it's July 11th to July 19th, but they're doing uh, a lot of shows in those eight days. So they're doing, they're going to hit up uh, like the big one. I, I The city I actually heard of is Hakodate, which is like where the, the Shinkansen ends right now, the new Hokkaido Shinkansen. So it's like the very edge of the, island basically because if people don't know japanese geography hokkaido is like the north island so it's you know north and to the east of uh the main honshu island where tokyo you know osaka all those major cities are so they haven't done a real tour of hokkaido with all these other cities other than sapporo in a long time when I mean, they, they they showed on the screen how long i mean uh you know hakodate and another one they hadn't gone to in seven years 
And then some of the other ones they hadn't gone to in 12 years, 14 years, and 22 years. So in a long time, so they hit these smaller uh, Sapporo cities. So you can see people are freaking out in the crowd because it's like they are much more used to having to travel to Sapporo to see these shows. And now they'll be able to, you know, see it in their own hometown for the first time in decades in some cases. Um, and then it ends with the last two, with two nights again in Sapporo on July 18th and 19th. So it's one of the things New Japan's going to be doing, I guess, during the summer when there's no G1, since the G1 got moved because of the Olympics. Um, I've heard rumors, obviously, about like U.S. tours and U.S. shows, and you know they, they didn't announce anything there yet, but we'll see. But uh, what's going on with that? But yeah, I mean, it looks like you know this this will be interesting. I'll, I'll be interested to see. I mean, I would love for some of these Sapporo shows to make tape. I don't know how or these Okado shows, I mean, I'm sure the last two nights in Sapporo will, but I, I hope like they, they film like Hakodate or some of the other uh, small shows just to, just to, to show, you know, these crowds that haven't seen a New Japan show in decades in some cases. Uh, I don't know. Any, any thoughts by either one of you on this Sapporo tour? No, I think it gives us some clarity on what they're going to be up to because um, they had left a pretty significant gap in the schedule when they did the announcements. So um, looks yeah. like July will be um, at least one kind of smaller Japanese tour. And, and uh, I guess we'll wait to hear what's going on with New Japan of America. Yeah. Summer Struggle. What do y'all think of the name? It's a solid name. Oh, that's the name? I didn't even know we had a name. No, Summer Struggle. That's what that's what I see. Okay, What do you cool. think? Star that's rate the name, for... John. Uh, I'm going to go solid three and three quarters. <laughs> it's pretty very good very good name not quite a four-star name and thomas like the weird the weird baritone is really throwing me every time you talk now i don't know if there's a way to fix that but it's like it <laughs> no, sounds like sound, somebody different like bad or just like different it just sounds different but okay. i mean it sounds very weird so I, it's like oh, i feel like i'm talking to somebody else uh <laughs> match number six tetsuya naito uh, Sonata and Hiromu Takahashi defeating Kenta J. White and Taiji Ishimori in 1534. Sonata tapping out Ishimori at the skull end. Um, I thought there was a big improvement on the LIJ uh, Bullet Club you know, tag from the previous night. Uh, it began for, uh, first of all, I, I noted Ishimori clapping for Kenta. That was a little surreal because I, I, I feel like I used to watch those two uh, team up a million times in Noah back in the day. They were like a big junior team from like I want to say like 2008 to like 2010, maybe like pretty much for the the rest of Kenta's junior career before he moved up to heavyweight. So that was a little surreal. Um, they also did have some singles matches where Kenta, I looked it up, had a perfect four no record. So Taiji's never beat Kenta. I don't know if we'll ever see that match again, but uh, Naito extremely over here. I thought way more than last night for whatever reason, maybe just more LIJ fans turned out for this night. Uh, Bullet Club attack for the bell. Uh, things settled down with like a big heat segment on Hiromu. Uh, Kenta, at one point, I thought it was funny. He just like he was in the middle of being up Hiromu, and then he just slid out of the ring and went to go beat up uh, Naito on the floor and like sent him really hard in the barricade and then slid back in like nothing happened. That was kind of funny. Um, Kenta and Naito, I thought, had a really strong sequence that like Naito, Naito, let Naito like show off his selling. You know, which is always a big strength of Naito, but like he made like Kenta's uh, double stomp up, double stomp off the top look particularly brutal. So that was a cool little sequence there. Um, and then Naito on both nights, he he teased hitting the Gloria, which the announcers pointed out. Like if you, you know how the Gloria lands, that would land um, right on Kenta's bad shoulder, which he has all taped up. So good good job by the announcers 
uh, pointing that out. So, you know, both nights he wasn't able to hit it, though. So it I makes me think that that's going to play into the finish, uh, you know, next week in Osaka. He'll finally hit the Gloria right on the bad shoulder. Um, but, yeah, there's a really hot sequence for everybody running in and laying everybody else out right around the 15-minute call. We ended up with Sonata and Ishimori having a fun exchange, and Taiji finally taps the skull end. Uh, real good stuff here. I went three and a half. And then afterwards, uh, Hiromu stole Naito's heavyweight title, but perhaps even more importantly, he stole Naito's hat. So maybe some subtle teases for Naito and Hiromu at the anniversary show if they can both get past their opponents next week in Osaka. What did you think of this match, Chris? I think it was good. I think it was fine. I did, I'm, I'm, I'm not overly excited for Naito and and Kenta or Sonata and Jay White. So um, there's enough on the Osaka show that I'm, I'm I guess I just haven't uh, bought into those as the as the big angles. But uh, this was the this was the best interaction that I've seen between Kenta and, and Naito. So um, I think they're, they're building it up. I'm, I'm interested to see if they have any interaction this week as they go through those Corkins. So um, other than that, yeah, the, the post-match with um, Hiromu and Naito was, um, it was cute. And, but I think it was also meaningful. So it was, I, I thought it was really funny that Naito was not asking for his belt back when he stood in the ring and Hiromu walked away. He was asking for his hat. So um, they they they've got a, they've got some cool interactions. I'm I'm very hopeful that that is the anniversary um, show main event. I think that would be uh, just awesome. So yeah, overall it was fine. It was good. Thomas, yeah, I like this. I definitely like this better than their match or than the the build up match on the previous show. Um, Taiji and Sonata had a really fun closing stretch. Those are two guys that I run very hot and cold on probably more cold recently, but I really enjoyed them here. Uh, I went three and a half on this. Naito and Kenta has not been a feud that I've been as much into from an in-ring perspective. It's much more outside of the ring that's built my excitement for it, but I am, you know, very excited for the match. Uh, and then also, obviously, you got Hiromu and Kenta on opposite sides here to build up their anniversary show match. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, semi-final, the British heavyweight title. Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Will Ospreay in 2704 uh, by referee stoppage with the Cobra Twist. Uh, first of all, the I love the opening video with the like soft piano music because they're both like I guess gentlemanly Brits or whatever. That was really funny. Um, but yeah, this match was awesome, and you know the, I didn't like the G1 match last year. I thought the G1 match last year was like you know really overrated in some quarters. It was like a I don't know. I think I'm like two and three quarters on it or something. I thought it was fine, but not, not anything great. But this match was what I more, I guess what I was expecting from the two of them where, you know, they just went like, you know, balls to the wall from the start, you know, started really fast, but ended in a stalemate. Um, we had like a knuckle lock sequence that led to like a really fun, like dueling rolling pin attempt sequence. And Will gets the advantage by almost kicking his head off. Uh, it's a lot more fast actions before Zach like slows it down with a cravat uh, but Osprey gets out with his handspring kick. Uh, they really leaned into like Osprey being the bigger and stronger guy, which is, is a rare position for him, especially in, against a quote unquote heavyweight. But that was really like the story of the match. So I thought I thought it worked for well. It was a very unique role for him to be in. Um, Zach put him down with like a really nasty looking uh, half Nelson suplex. Um, you know, Zach got up, you know, and hit like three straight PKs for a near fall. 
Uh, he started like kicking at him, and it just pissed Will off. And Will revived with like this huge elbow, putting him down with one shot. Uh, we got a super fast sequence ending with a big suplex from Will, and he hit the odds cutter finally on the second try. But Zach rolled to the floor, which you know again, he's such a smart wrestler. He rolls to the outside. Uh, Will tosses him back in. Zach just rolls the other side, and then Will follows with a uh, Sasuke special, which I thought was awesome. Um, he starts doing like his long step with a hidden blade, but Zach counted him in a leg lock. Uh, we'll try it again, but Zach turned in his wacky arm submission that like put Tanahashi out of action, but Will made the ropes. Um, and then the only minor complaint I have about this match, I, I thought the Stormbreaker counters went on a little bit too long. I thought they did, they did like a million of them, but by the end of it, it did like the drama was there. So I thought it was, I thought it did work, but uh, maybe could have taken one, one or two of them out. Um, but yeah, we ended up basically with a, a million Stormbreaker counters. Um, you know, Will goes up top and hits a really nice looking shooting star press, but Zach kicks out again. Um, finally, I think like the fifth or sixth time Zach got out of the Stormbreaker, he gets him into the Cobra Twist. He brings Will down to the mat, and finally, the, the referee has no choice but to stop the match. Zach Sabre Jr. retains. Uh, I went four and a quarter on this, I thought it was awesome. Uh, again, totally blows away the match from the G1 last year. And I was stunned by the result. I really thought Will was going to win this. So, you know, they got me on this one. I really thought Will Ospreay was going to become the new British heavyweight champion. Maybe they're going to build that up and pay that off at, like, Soccer Genesis or something. But, yeah, this was awesome. Uh, what did you think of this one, Chris? Yeah, I keep thinking that they're going to take the the British heavyweight championship off of Zack Sabre Jr., but he keeps winning. So, um, yeah, I, I thought Osprey was going to win this. I thought this match was awesome. I, th- I agree. I think it was significantly better than uh, their G1 offering. But I think both these guys have just improved and and really established their characters over the last six months or so to the point where, like, I'm just much more invested in each of them. So I think that that, that obviously helps. Um you know, the placement on the card was good. Um, them in the, the semi-main, I think that that's the right spot for this title. And um, yeah, I think the the reversal thing, like these are two guys that it seems like um, their strategy in their matches is to try to win. Like it has, you know, and, and, and you could say what you want to say about Osprey, but he hits big move after big move after big move and he goes for pins all the time. So um, this was a showcase of, of that, of these two guys kind of working um, against each other and, and both like trying to win from the, from the beginning and um, Saber hit the, hit the submission. And I think this was a cool way to keep Osprey Osprey strong um, by not having him actually submit. And I mean, to be honest, like that submission looked brutal. Like it looked like it would actually, you know, knock someone out. So um, they, they got a, again, they got a really good camera angle on it. They had, they had Osprey's face the whole time. Um, so I thought that they did a really nice job kind of laying out this match in, in a way that was engaging uh, throughout. What do you think, Thomas? Yeah, this was really good stuff. These two have just tremendous chemistry. Uh, I definitely like their match in the G1 more than you, John. Uh, but I think this was probably at that level, if not higher. I was four and a quarter stars. Uh, a ton of fun, and I could you know understand going higher. I didn't feel the length at all. 27 minutes uh, did not feel like that to me. The reversal stuff you all already touched on, but that was a ton of fun. And I liked Osprey uh, trying to hang in the grappling department and the submission game department and then realizing the back half of the match, okay, I can't keep up with this. I need to, you know, pivot to, to what I'm good at. Uh, and it was a fun dichotomy of a match. Uh, I'm not sure where Osprey goes from here. 
with New Japan Cup coming up. Uh, we'll see uh, how far he gets pushed there. Has he officially became a heavyweight yet, or is he still? They haven't. I don't think they've said anything. Okay, so we'll see. But I yeah. assume he'll be in the in the New Japan Cup at least. Yeah, I mean, he was last year, so right. Yeah. But, yeah uh, great stuff for and a quarter. The main event: Kazuchika Okada versus Taichi. Uh, so we didn't mention last night there was a big angle at the end of that tag match where Taichi, you know, he laid out Okada with the uh, Iron Fingers. Uh, Zach came in to stop Osprey from interfering, and then Taichi gave him the Black Mephisto on the ramp. So Taichi, so Okada came out here like with his neck all taped up. I thought it was funny. Taichi insulted uh, the crowd last night. And when he he basically was like he called them country bumpkins or whatever. And if you watch like the the subtitle thing they put up on New Japan World, Milano just like kind of deadpans like you're you're from here too. Like Milano's deadpans are always so funny because he he does he does that a lot where like he just uh, he just very he replies very dryly to whatever the the guys are saying or doing. But yeah, uh, despite insulting them all, he was still very popular here, which I thought was funny. Um, so yeah, so Taichi goes right after Okada, uh, specifically targets the athletic tape on the back of his neck again. Uh, he kicks him right in the neck, and then he goes for the iron glove immediately, but Okada stops him and like hits his big crossbody over the barricade. Uh, Okada works over Taichi here, kind of boring, and this is maybe the only big flaw I have of the match where you know this this little sequence here wasn't that interesting. But Taichi like suddenly explodes with his like dangerous backdrop, and then we hit the five minute mark. Uh, Taichi, you know, chokes Okada out with a camera cable. Uh, you know, Okada, he keeps teasing that he's going to get back into it, but Taichi keeps, like, shutting him down by going right back to his neck. And I thought Okada's selling here was really good, so that was good by Okada. Um, but Okada gets a DDT to get some breathing room. Uh, he gets some momentum with a big elbow, but he's still sighting the neck at this point. Uh, Taichi takes back over by using Miho as a human shield on the floor. Uh, he tries for Black and Feast on the ramp again. Okada instead gets a shotgun drop kick on the ramp, but he, you know, lands hard on the ramp himself. And so, that, again, good selling there. Uh, Taichi takes back control around the 15-minute mark. Okada lays him out again with a flapjack or back to a stalemate. Uh, Taichi, when he's laying there, he, like, sneaks the iron glove under his hand a second time and tries to hit him with it again. But Okada ducks it and, like, drop kicks him out of the ring. At this point, Okada, like, he picked up the iron glove and was, like, looking at it. But I thought it was kind of funny. And you could, the English commentators were like, don't don't mess with that karma, basically. Which I thought was funny. Um, but, yeah, he, like, he basically decides not to do anything with it. But then Kanemaru comes out here, distracts the ref, so Taichi can hit Okada with a chair. Um, I will say I thought I liked that they kept the, I guess you could call, bullshit to a minimum here. It wasn't like they kept going back to it, like in, like, a, some of the Jay White matches. He just kind of hits him with the chair, you know, but breaks the chair over his head. It looks great. And then that's all, that's the extent of Kanemaru's involvement. So that was good at least. Um, so he follows up with an axe bomber for two, tears off the pants, buzzsaw kick, stretch plum. Uh, he pauses to like tear the tape off Okada's neck and unlocks his stretch plum in again. Uh, he lets it go to try for a pin, but that only gets two. Uh, Okada blocks the last ride attempt and like backdrops out of it. Uh, we get like another long sequence for Okada ducks another buzzsaw kick. It's a huge German suplex. Uh, Taichi ducks the Rainmaker, but he eats a drop kick, and this is where the match, like, again, uh, very typical for an Okada match, but it's a great closing stretch here. Um, you know, there's a, he goes back to a stretch plum. Uh, Okada, you know, does his, he, Okada gets out of it, and then Taichi, like, does his big, like, backdrop counter of another Rainmaker. 
he drops on another backdrop and then does the he like fires up almost like trying to play to the crowd at this point and does like another backdrop with a backdrop hole for the for a two count and um, the crowd's really getting behind taichi here uh okada like sidesteps a super kick he gets this big desperation tombstone they're both both out and we get like a big taichi chant and they both get up and like trade big boots um you know taichi uh, he almost seems like he transformed over to the strong style taichi after he's so intent on using the uh iron glove he, glove before but like he really is like the crowd's behind him. He's like really fired up here. Uh, he drops Okada with a big right forearm and then even hits a drop kick, which, you know, the announcer's point that I can't remember the last time I saw Taichi hit a drop kick. Um, so, but he then, but then Okada gets the short arm lariat and keeps wrist control to get a second one. Uh, Taichi finally gets desperate again and like grabs the referee to block the rainmaker, hits a low blow and a Gato clutch. That was an amazing near fall right before the three count. Uh, Okada kicks out. So I, I actually thought for a second, Taichi might win that with uh you know, I mean that would have been a very Tai Chi type victory. But uh, you know, he hits a big axe bomber and Zagiri combo, finally gets the last ride for two. Uh the crowd's even more behind him with another big Tai Chi chant. He goes for Black Mephisto, Okada escapes and hits the spinning lariat. Uh, he goes for the Rainmaker, Tai Chi ducks, Black Mephisto again. We hit the 30-minute mark. Uh Okada escapes again, tries to get Tai Chi up with the tombstone. Taiji escapes with a big high kick, but Okacha, Okada like catches a super kick attempt, hits a spinning tombstone, and hits the rainmaker for the pin. This fucking owned uh, four and a half stars. I, I'd have to really think about which one I liked better, this or Shingo and, or Goto. I think maybe Shingo Goto by like a hair, but both these main events were awesome. Um, just you know, Taiji again got to got to show that he could hang with Okada. You know, got to be in a thirty-plus minute main event where you know I. Other than like a very brief period at the start, I never really thought it dragged, and you know, really like just you know, outstanding job by Okada with the selling, uh, with selling his neck and stuff, and just Taichi really getting fired up and getting the crowd behind him was great, and just an outstanding main event here. What did you think of this one, Chris? I was really surprised with how much I enjoyed it. So I'm not a I'm not usually a Taichi guy, um, but this was. I mean, this had to be my favorite Tai Chi match I've ever seen. So um, I didn't really feel the length. They, I, I heard the call for the 25-minute the call and then 30-minute call, and I, I was surprised by that. So it did drag a little bit at the beginning, um, especially like when they went to the outside and, and, and kind of all that action. But some of that's pretty, pretty standard tropes for even an Okada match. So um, the near falls really were well executed. The... Um, I mean, they really got me with that, um, the Gator roll. And I, I mean, they, even the English announcing team was, was waiting on, on the confirmation that it was only two. So, um, they, they played that one really, really close. Um, the, the rest of the finish, finishing sequence was good. I mean, it was, it was everything you'd expect from an Okada finishing sequence. A, a lot of teases of the finally hitting that team tombstone rainmaker, um, but I enjoyed it a lot. I think that it, it did open me up to think that maybe Tai Chi does have some good stuff in him. Um, you know, I think he's still really gimmicky in his presentation, but I think uh, once he gets in the ring, he, he, he proved today that he can go. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they, New Japan wants to turn him into a, turn him into a big star because they could, they could put him over uh, some, some pretty, some pretty big guys, even through the the New Japan Cup or even this year's G1, and they might have something on their hands that they can leverage. 
What do you think, Thomas? Well, first off, I think it's crazy to only be coming around now on Tai Chi. I mean, the man was incredible all of last year. I mean, you can't come on this podcast and talk like that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you got another audience. No, um, no, this was really good. Um, I might be. Wait, Chris, did you do you do star ratings? No, he doesn't do star ratings. All right. But I don't know, just by listening, it's might I might be the low man here. I was three and three quarters on it. Uh it was a match that I think peaked really high. Uh, but I just I felt the 30, 31 minute length, to be honest. Uh, and so that's what keeps it from, you know, getting into that four star, four and a half star with John Went range. Um, but it was a great moment for Tai Chi, you know, in his home prefecture against the ace of the company. Um, it's not you're not really gonna get a bigger spot than that in the rest of your career. And Tai Chi's like getting up there in age. So this was a great spot for him. I'm glad he put in a good performance, you know. Uh, overall, I thought this was another great show. I would, I don't know which show I prefer. I think probably this one just because I like the semi-main a lot better than the semi-main from the, the day before. And, you know, the main was about the same. So I think I'm going to like the undercard on that one better. But uh, two really good shows overall. So nothing nothing at all to complain about here. And a, a great way for New Japan to come back finally any any other final thoughts i agree it was good back-to-back it was uh it was fun uh always tough to to try to watch these both live so i actually finally slept through a new japan show which is probably the first time i've done that since the g1 so um but yeah it was it was it was good the main events were both excellent excellent i couldn't imagine them both being on the same show so i'm glad they were split yeah Thomas, any final thoughts? No, a nice little tour. Well, I guess the tour is not over yet, but a nice little first yeah. half of the tour. Uh, yeah, lots of fun stuff. So so before we move off to New Japan, I'm just going to quickly go through the other shows coming up on the New Beginning Tour. Uh, don't need to go through every match on the Corrigans, but the main events in the Corrigans, which, you know, some really cool stuff here because uh, you have two elimination matches. Uh, first of all, on Tuesday, February 4th, you have Okada, Osprey, uh, and Rapunky 3K against Taichi, Zach, and Desperado and Kanemaru. On the 5th, on Wednesday, you have another elimination match with Naito, Sonata, Hiromu, Ibushi against Kenta, Jay White, Ishimori, and Fantasmo. And then on Thursday, you have the Never Six-Man Tag Title match with Shingo, Evil, and Bushi against Goto, Ishii, and Eagles. So I, I always really love those New Japan elimination matches, especially at Kurikan where the crowd always seems to be really into the over-the-top rope eliminations. So two elimination matches plus a never six-man title match. Those are three strong Kirk and main events, so I'm pretty excited for those three. Uh, the ninth, of course, next Sunday, a week from what we're talking about here, has a loaded-up uh, Osaka Joe Hall, uh, new beginning in Osaka. You know, you have the junior tag title match, Punky 3K making their first defense against Kenemar and Desperado. You have a pretty big actually tag match, Okada and Osprey against Taichi and Zach. So interesting to see who takes the fall there. Yeah. Uh, You have Sonata and Jay White, uh, Hiromu and Ryu Lee for the junior title, John Moxley and Minoru Suzuki for the U.S. title, and finally the double title match, Naito defending the heavyweight in IC against Kenta. Uh, I guess let's get predictions really quickly on the title matches at least. I think... Naito's retaining, I think, you know, memes aside, I I think they're doing Naito and Hiromu at the anniversary show, so I think they're both going to retain. Moxie Suzuki is the one where I'm a little more uh, torn about who can come out on top here. I, I think Moxie could easily retain here, 
Uh, Suzuki could easily win, if, especially if they want to get the U.S. title to somebody who might actually appear in the U.S., but um, there's not a pressing need for that since, uh, you know, Suzuki, there's no American tour announced, and I, I don't think there will be one until um, probably after, maybe even after Dontaku. Um Maybe maybe after Sakura Genesis, I don't know, but probably not after Dontaku. So I lean on Moxie retaining, especially after Suzuki pinned him with the God Style Pod Driver. But yeah, I guess uh, Chris, do you disagree with any of those picks in title matches? Or no, I I think they all retain. I'll be surprised if they don't. I mean, Mox, you're right, Moxley and Suzuki is the one that I could see flip flopping, but um, they would have to set up Moxley's next angle then. Um, yeah. And I. I mean, I didn't expect them to set up Suzuki at Wrestle Kingdom, so they could certainly do that. But I, I sense that Moxley is going to keep coming back. So, um, uh, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he if he holds onto that belt just because it's it's elevating that belt too. So you're seeing the U.S. and um, the Never both kind of um, climb the ranks here. So it's it's actually really good to see on the singles belt side of things. Yeah. Thomas, any thoughts on those three title matches or anything else, I guess? Yeah, I agree. I don't expect any of the titles to change hands. Um, and Moxley, you know, f- him flying over to work a couple of tags shows me that he is to stay, and we've heard things um, that confirm that. Uh, so, yeah, I think Moxley probably retains, although he's the most likely. You never know what New Japan is liable to do with the junior titles as well, so those could easily change hands as well. Oh yeah, talk, oh, yeah. yeah, I totally forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they're gonna retain, but who knows? I think yeah. they will, but yeah, it's New Japan, so who knows? They just <laughs> can we talk about fucking Godwin? <laughs> yeah, I was uh... I was gonna I was trying to avoid it because I'm so I was like so disgusted on Twitter, but yeah, fuck GOD. I'm so sad they're oh, champions God. again. Yeah. I wonder who wins Sonata White. I think Sonata's I think I think both those guys are potential New Japan Cup winners, so that's an interesting match. I think Sonata would be my pick. Either of you, yeah, I sort of think Sonata's going to win too. Yeah, I think Sonata needs it more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so there's your New Japan talk. Uh, let's quickly talk a little bit of Noah. Uh, they're they're in the big story of the week with uh, you know coming out the DDT's parent company. Uh, cyber agent bought Pro Wrestling Noah uh, last. God, what the what the hell was the day they announced this? It was like two days before the Corican, right? So I think like Tuesday. Yep. Okay. So Monday or Tuesday, something like that. Twenty seventh. Yeah, I think like the twenty seventh they announced it, and the twenty eighth they they had a lot more details. Yeah. But yeah, um, so DDT, you know, this th- there's a lot of reasons why that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, first of all, Noah, you know, was on the market, as it turned out. It, uh, the, the the parent company, Ledette, I mean, they're not like a big company that was like a, I think like an event planning company or something like that, but not like a giant corporation or anything. So even though Noah's attendance was up last year or was like, you know, steady, um, you know, they were still losing money. So they, they needed to sell. Uh, we already know that WWE wanted them to be like one of the beachheads of uh, NXT Japan and you know, Noah told them to get lost, which is looks even more impressive now that they, you know, their owner knew they were losing money and had to sell eventually. So, you know, it's just like a, you can see a pattern here, basically, where like these Japanese companies would rather sell to uh, Japanese corporations already involved in wrestling. And, you know, that's a, 
it's something it's an advantage that the Japanese scene has that the UK scene did not have, you know, beyond the fact that the, the fucking promoters in Japan are in goddamn marks for WWE. Uh, you know, I've, people, I saw people joking on Twitter that like after that, uh, it turned out that like one of the big offers they were made just when they're trying to buy stardom was uh, they were going to put Rossi Ogawa in the hall of fame. And obviously Rossi Ogawa <laughs> couldn't, couldn't have given less of a shit, but yeah, like you, you, you saw people joking, like uh, the progress dudes were like really mad. They didn't hold out <laughs> for the WWE hall of fame. Cause they would have like gone crazy for that. But yeah. Um, you know, these, so these guys aren't marks. They don't, they they didn't grow up wanting to be w, wanting to be in WWE. It's not the same thing. But on top of that, now you have big corporations, big media conglomerates. Uh, you know, you have Bushi Road, who bought Stardom. You know, that's a big you know anime and gaming mobile game company uh, that you know that already owns New Japan, obviously. And then you have Cyber Agent, which is even bigger than Bushi Road. You know, a jet, they have they, they have their hands on all sorts of pies. You know, with games and uh, they do, do they do anime as well. I know they. Uh, there was like a, they did like a wrestling themed uh, isekai last season with like a, a character based on Mal from DDT, which I thought was funny. But I guess leveraging that DDT ownership. But yeah, they do anime, they do games. Um, you know, they they have a Bima, which I think is the biggest factor uh, for people who don't, who don't know what a Bima TV is. Uh, a Bima TV is a basically an, an over the top network type thing that you don't need to sign up you don't have to pay for it basically uh we have some like that in america now i think like comet right is that i think that's what one of them is called it's like basically it's just like you know a streaming service that you can watch different channels on very similar to cable but it's ad supported you know it's not like you have to pay for it so you know you watch it for free but you it's ad supported um so you have that, you know, Abima. They bought D, or <laughs> Cyber Agent bought DDT. They put it on Abima. Uh, they gave, I think, they gave DDT their own network on Abima. And you know, DDT has been a huge success on Abima. So, you know, the the shows average from what I've been what I've read uh, between one hundred and one hundred fifty thousand viewers. So that's really good for Abima. That's like a close to the top, apparently, for Abima TV viewership. So, you know, they look at DDT as like a, a very successful product for them. You know, they put their DDT wrestlers on, uh, not even just like wrestling shows. Uh, they have this show called The Night that's very popular where they put like, it's like a variety show with DDT wrestlers and they put DDT wrestlers on other programming too and Tokyo Joshi and all that. So they look at that as like a successful brand. And then you see this other pro wrestling brand available um, you know, that's very different from DDT and they decide to jump on it and, you know, see, put Noah on a um, you know, see if it can draw like viewership, uh, you know, similar viewership levels. So I'm sure there's a long winded way to, of saying uh, DDT success on a BEMA is probably a main, a major reason why we have Noah still owned by a Japanese company and not owned by fucking WWE as part of NXT Japan. So Thank you, DDT, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, this show, the Noah Corican on January 30th, you know, two days later after they announced the details of sale, this was already on DDT Universe. So, you know, Noah has a landing page on there that it's going to be part of Universe. They're saying one to two sh- live shows a month. Uh, they are still going to continue airing on G+, which is a like a satellite sports network in Japan. Uh, they're going to continue airing on Samurai as well. And then obviously they're going to air on Abima, so... That's kind of the setup, I guess. Uh, you know, Thomas, you're you're also a Noah viewer. What were your thoughts when you heard all of this, and what did you what do you kind of think about what's going to go happen going forward with Noah? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the way that it's been framed to me, it seems like the options were either go under an incredible business change uh, where you cut a lot of the roster, go out of business, sell to WWE or sell to Cyber Agent. And I think from those options, I think they clearly chose chose the right one. Um, you gained the, the DDT partnership out of it. It seems like there will be some crossover going forward. Um, well, Mayor Fuji's been on Noah. Mayor Fuji's like part yeah. of, uh, you know, a unit. DDT. Box, I mean, he's yeah. been there. Yeah, yeah, he's been there for months. So, yeah, Mayor, yeah. Mayor Fuji. I think he deb- debuted or re redebuted in DDT on that January third Corkin, and maybe that should have been assigned to us because um, I don't know. I think before that it had been a while since his last DDT appearance. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and they had. I want to say Higuchi was in. Uh, Noah's Global League a few years ago. But other than that, the two promotions have been somewhat separate. Um, so I assume we'll get some crossover, but I don't think they'll be uh, you know, completely overlapping brands. I think it's already announced that uh, Noah involvement will be on uh, the DDT Saitama Super Arena show. Yeah, that's uh, which interesting. Is interesting. Yep. Yeah. And, then and also- they're going to run back-to-back nights at Sumo Hall. And, uh, do you remember, is it October? I think it was November, like late November. November. Okay, yeah. so they're gonna run back to back nights, so that's cool. Yeah, which is which is great to hear. Which I think they also did this year, or maybe Big Japan was in between them. They were in some order. No, they, Big Japan was a third night. So yeah. yeah so they were back. Yeah, I mean, well. I think it's clear these talks have been in, in underway for a while. It sounds like, and you know, the other big thing, you know, when it comes to we found out, which I, I this blew my mind when I heard it. It turns out Mitsuharu Masawa. Of course, the founder of Noah and the you know, before he passed away, he was like funding DDT back in the day. Like he, because uh, Shinshiro Takagi, who, you know, the president of DDT, also was made president of Noah, he mentioned this as like a reason why he was so interested in buying Noah because he almost looked like, uh, you know, almost looked like he was repaying the favor because back in the day, Masawa funded them. And, you know, they did have a connection around like the mid 2000s when, uh, you know, they, they had that global pro wrestling alliance thing that kind of never went anywhere but you know they were DET and Noah were both members of that and you know that was Noah's baby and you know there was like crossover in the Differ Cup and you know, they, they had junior tag leagues they used to do so yeah there's there's a history there which I is, is interesting but just to find out that Masawa was apparently like one of DET's backers like financial backers back in the day was really fascinating and you know that's a guy who always kind of had his finger on the pulse of uh, where Javi's wrestling was going and that was another good example I guess of know how he decided to, to back ddt before they were anything really yeah when i heard that i mean that was just that was kind of crazy to hear but you know yeah just like you said um you know masawa knows best that one of the greatest of all times and he funded <laughs> one of the greatest wrestling promotions in the world today yeah out, yeah but uh not i guess i'm trying to think of anything else business-wise about noah and ddt um Maris, you you the vice president, yeah yeah, Mayor is the vice president. Um, you know, we're going to have, like I said, a lot of if – you're, if you're not signed up for DT Universe, I mean, ne- they're not raising the price apparently, which – so it's still 900 yen, and now you get Noah on top of DT. It's just mind-blowing. So you're uh, going to get a lot of great shows on that service. If you're not signed up, definitely check it out. Uh, Chris, do you want to jump in here? Any thoughts on the purchase? Even Yeah. A, I'm a, I guess I, I... – call myself a noah you know watcher i'm a I'm casual at least I, I try to catch up on the big shows and it's it's one of the promotions that i've uh enjoyed a lot recently so this excites me to make um to make their shows more accessible i think that that's a huge piece to the puzzle here and i think that um you know the products 
that Noah and DDT are putting out, um, you know, they, they each kind of have their own, um, their own lane so they can work together well um, and be on the same service. And I think you'll, you'll know what you're watching. It's not going to be one of those things where they kind of blend together. So um, I'm excited for the prospects. I'm glad that Noah is, um, you know, they, they made this decision versus what we all assume was the other option, which was the WWE purchase, which I, I can't imagine would have gone all that well, um, to be honest. I, I don't see a lot of prospects there um, for growth in, in that situation. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see the consolidation of pro wrestling. I mean, there's a lot of companies um, around the world, and I think we're seeing... Um, something similar to what started to happen in the music industry before um, that bubble really popped where record labels really started working together. And there were a ton of just like dotted lines and, and, and um, funding coming from different places. So and we're starting to see a lot of that happen in, in pro wrestling. And I think the health of the pro wrestling industry is, is um, significantly better than the, the music industry at the time. So I think the, the situation is more that, um, uh, these pro wrestling companies are, are seeking growth. They're not seeking um, the opportunity to continue to operate. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bummed that Noah will has pulled their partnership with MLW because that got me um, a couple of Noah guys coming over to Chicago, or at least I was hopeful that they would come to Chicago from time to time on the MLW tapings. But um, that's the only, that's the only loss on, on my end. I think otherwise this is going to be great. Um, but yeah, so that's bringing up NLW. I know they just announced a new partnership with Dragon Gate, who's a another company that uh told W to, to go fucking self, apparently. So, you know, it's a very interesting time right now in Japanese wrestling where they're like you're saying, they're gonna you have companies consolidating, uh, you have Bushi Road and uh Cyber Agent looking like you know these separate these powers. Um, it almost makes me wonder if Bushi Road might want to counter with you know by purchasing a secondary japanese brand of their own you know and i'm not sure if that's something they definitely want to do but like at one point noah was their secondary japanese brand before you know the the owners pulled out and you know they they like sold it beyond their back so it makes me wonder if they might not they might not want to like i I, i'm not sure if it's something that's definitely going to happen but like if i woke up one day to like Bushiroad buys All Japan or Bushiroad buys Russell One or whatever the fuck, I'm not going to be surprised. It just kind of feels like another shoe that could drop there. But uh, that's just my own little speculation. Um, but yeah, I guess any any final thoughts, Thomas, on the industry, you know, uh, how, how things look right now before we move into some quick talk on Know Itself? Yeah, as Chris was saying, I mean, the web of connections between all the promotions in Japan right now is, you know, really hard to sort out. Like you have a zero one guy as DDT's champion. You have a Noah guy as wrestle one's champion. You've got like two AW and DDT or two AW and Noah and zero one uh, guys in big Japan's annual strong climb tournament or semi-annual. I guess it's every two years. Oh, they announced the participants? I didn't even see they that. In fact, they announced the participants. It actually looks really great. Um, if I can pull that up real quick. But, you know, the the in the the web connecting, you know, everybody in Japan is is crazy right now. It's hard to sort it out. I mean, you have all Japan working with Big Japan. Maybe Big Japan starts to move closer to them and further away from DDT and Noah. 
Um, and you see that sort of become an alliance that forms more clearly. Um, but yeah, it's I'm, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out uh, over the next few months. So right, I can Thomas, lay, lay the strong claim participants on me real quick. I'm just curious. All right. So it's four blocks this year. I, I think it was two blocks in the past, but I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, block A is Akira Hyoto, uh, Ryuichi Kawakami, the, the champion Daichi Hashimoto, uh, Noah's Yoshiki Inamura, and T-Hawk, obviously from Strong Hearts, which is, you know, that's kind of a stacked block there. Block B is uh, Kazuki Hashimoto, Daisuke Sakamoto, uh, 2AW's Taishi Takazawa, uh, Zero One's Kohei Sato, and X, which will be announced on uh, Big Japan's next Corkin show on mm. February 11th. That's a show that'll be headlined um, by Yankee Ten Kenju against... Imagine, imagine, imagine if X is somehow Walter. That would, <laughs> be cool. Oh my god, why would you say that, John? <laughs> Get Walter in some actual wrestling matches again. That would be Walter and Sakamoto, Walter and Sato. Yeah, get get Walter, make Walter great again. Um, I've seen rumors that it's Michael Elgin, um, but uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> the O from you right there was, was very telling. Um, block C is uh, Hideyoshi Kamatani, Ryoto Hama, Yuji Okabayashi, Yuji Hino, uh, from zero one and quiet storm who recently left Noah and is a freelance guy now. Uh, mm. And block D is, uh, the junior champion, Yuya Aoki, uh, Yasufumi Nakanoe, uh, the next strong challenger, Takuya Nomura, uh, Kazumi Kakuda and all Japan's Jake Lee, uh, closing out that block. So we've got, yeah, that, that does sound pretty loaded up. I have to say, yeah, so. it's, it's a nice, it's a nice group of guys. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And, there's a, a Takuya against Daichi title match uh, before that tournament will start. I think that's in Osaka coming up later this month. So, yeah, we'll see. All right. It should be pretty good. Um, so really quickly, before we wrap this up, we do got to wrap it up quickly. Uh, let's talk the Noah Cork in January 30th. I'm not going to go match by match. I'm just going to note, if you didn't see the show, uh, it's on DT Universe for free, I think, still, for VOD. And this is a r- really good show. I mean, I have... A ton of stuff at three and a half or three and a quarter. I have two four-star matches, uh, Harada and O'Hara in the Global Junior League semifinal and Harada being Dick Togo in the Global Junior League final. So this is a really good show and definitely one I would recommend checking out. Uh, Thomas, do you want to tell the people about the uh, Noah Korokin real quick? No, yeah, it was a great show. Um, Daisuke Harada against Hajime O'Hara, as John mentioned. That's the match that's been getting the most hype. I want four and a quarter stars there. Um, Harada's been great. If you don't mind clipped wrestling, um, he had a match against Chris Ridgway from their junior tournament that made their YouTube that was good, and a match against uh, Katara Suzuki that also was clipped that made their YouTube. And by clipped, I don't mean like the first five minutes is missing. I mean like it's a it's very much cut down. Um, you know, there's not any rest spot. It's just cut to the next spot. Um, and if you can get over that, those are a pair of uh, very good matches. Um, the other semifinal, Dick Togo against Yoshinari Ogawa, I went three and a half on. And then the finals uh, with Daisuke Harada and Dick Togo, I went three and three quarter stars on. Also on this show, we had a fun Congo versus Noah 10 man tag. Uh, Axis against Axis and Shuei Tanaguchi against Suga Yuragun, I went three and three quarters on that. And then also um, the Rattels against Stinger six men on the undercard, I thought was very good as well. Um, setting up a uh, future junior tag title match. Uh, yeah, this was a really fun show, top to bottom. You also had Quiet Storm's final Noah match on there, um, and it sets up a lot of interesting matches for the future. 
Um, and I think Noah's in a really good direction. Now it should be mentioned this this show drew like absolute shit. I think it yeah thousand did nine I think nine eighty eight I yeah. think. But you know, we'll see. You got to keep it. It up. I'm excited to see. I'm excited for the new direction. So you know, I mean, a junior tournament and then a, a you know a six man tag as your semi main is not exactly putting your best foot forward. Yeah. We'll see how it is. Um, so there's some there's some great stuff coming up too. So I want to go through what's coming up here. Uh, February 16th is the Higher Ground Cork and Hall show. Uh, I believe this is their debut on Abima, which usually would mean it's also going to air on DT Universe. So that should be on there live. Um, the main event after they had their amazing match one on one for the title. This time, Goshi Uzaki and Kaido Kiyomiya team up, and they take on the team of Takashi Sugera and Kazuki Fujita. Because those are two big singles matches coming up, so that that could be really good. Uh, that's a really good main event. Really excited for and that. Then, and the undercard, the big undercard ma- singles match is Nakajima, Katsuko Nakajima one on one with Hideki Suzuki, which could be really good as well. Yeah, Hideki so. Suzuki, notably absent from Big Japan's Strong Climb this year after he was their champion just a couple years ago, and he looks to be pivoting more full time to Noah. Yeah, uh, interesting to watch. And then we have February twenty fourth airing live on Samurai TV. The Pro Wrestling Noah 20th Anniversary, Noah the Chronicle Volume 1 from Nagoya. Uh, this show is made evident by Takashi Sugera defending the national title against Kaido Kiyomiya. Uh, those two have had some really good matches before, so hopefully they do again here. And then you have a semi-main tag match of Goshiozaki and Shuei Tanaguchi against Kaz Fujita and Hideki Suzuki, which again could be really good. And then the Ooh, March... On this show, we also got Katsuki Nakajima against... Did you mention this? Against... Yoshiki. Oh, yeah, Inamura. That's right. Yeah. That's Yoshiki, and I do want to yeah. mention real quick, they brought over Dragon Bane and uh, Elio de Canis Lupus, who have been on their shows before. Um, and on both of the announced shows, they're in singles matches against each other, uh, which is interesting to see. These are two guys that got into it um, with the Strong Hearts guys down in Mexico earlier this week or at maybe last week. Um, so I think it might be interesting that you see maybe they were already agreed to fly them over, but given that they're in singles matches against each other rather than with any of the Noah guys, maybe they're not trusted or there's some heat there, even if strong hearts isn't allied with Noah at all. So that's maybe something to keep an eye on. And then March 8th, we know we're going to have the Noah, the Chronicle volume two uh, from Yokohama Bunker gymnasium, which will be the big show for the first quarter of the year. Uh, And this is going to air live on G plus. So, you know, at least you don't have to wait, even if it doesn't air somewhere else, uh, at least it's not the long wait. Like some of these G plus shows are, uh, all we have so far is the main event, which is Go Shiozaki defending the GHC Heavyweight title against Kazuki Fujita, which is a match I'm really excited to see. Um, I'm sure the rest of the card will get eventually, and it should be. I mean, I would expect uh, they haven't announced yet, but I would expect Yoshinori Ogawa versus Daisuke. Uh, I'm sorry, versus yeah, versus uh, Daisuke Harada, who won the. Yeah. He, yeah, he won the uh, junior league. So, and then looking at some build-up tags, I think. Um, uh, Hayata, or, uh, potentially, you could see Hayata and Yohei challenging for the junior tag titles. Yeah, uh, against Kataro Kataro and Kotoge. Yeah, yeah. So. so there you go. Some good stuff coming up from Noah. Definitely worth keeping your eye on. Hopefully, we a, get hopefully we get Hideki and Kano as well because that their their interactions on one four were really great. Yeah. So there you go. All right, let's wrap things up here. Uh, first of all, Chris, give me your plugs. Hey, I am the Chris Sampson on Twitter, T-H-E-C-H-R-I-S-S-A-M-S-A. 
Uh, you can visit my website, sportofprowrestling.com, where you can find up-to-the-minute, up-to-date New Japan Pro Wrestling statistics, um, as well as AEW and some other features coming soon. Um, I post all of the statistics that I send to Kevin Kelly and Gino Gambino and Chris Charlton. I post them over at Voices of Wrestling before any big New Japan shows. And I have a column at PW Torch covering U.S. wrestling uh, in the form of uh, objective statistics. So you can find me a lot of different places around the Internet. All right. Thomas, give me all your give me your plugs, which I think is a lot shorter. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> It's kind of like a personal attack there. No, um, uh, you, can on, you can follow me on Twitter at Rasslin Writings. We got an article that should be posted tomorrow or today or in the past, depending on when you listen to this, um, with me and Jack Beckman going through the top 15 wrestlers of January, and we'll give you recommended matches uh, for each of those guys. Um, so that should be fun. Well worth checking out. You'll see some Noah guys on there, some New Japan guys on there, obviously. Um, and also some, you know, some guys that you might not have seen anything of. So it'll be a good place to get some match recommendations for the month uh, as we cap off what has been a great January, especially in Puro. Uh, yeah, so it was. A, I can't believe how much fucking four star stuff I have on my list already. It's been. It was a really good month for Japanese wrestling, the yeah. greatest form of wrestling on earth. Uh, all right, folks. Thank you as always for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Um, it'll be me and my buddy Quinlan returning to talk the new beginning in Osaka show. Uh, we're also, if there's anything up from the February 8th uh, Stardom Corican, I plan to cover that as well. So hopefully we get the main event at least. Maybe in Mayu, uh, going 30 minutes yeah. to draw. That'll be good stuff. Yeah. So hopefully we get at least Mayu and Sari. Uh, maybe we'll get something else too. Who knows? But anything else from Stardom Corican, we're going to cover too. Uh, but obviously, the big thing will be New Beginning Osaka. So that'll be next week. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Wrestle Omakase. Wrestling did not fit. And folks, thank you as always for listening. We'll see you next time.